The scripture lesson this morning is from the book of the Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 12, the first, actually 13 verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, that you may not grow weary or lose lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the exhortion that addresses you as children, that is, my child, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, or lose heart when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and chastises every child whom he accepts. So endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? If you do not have that discipline which all children share, then you are illegitimate and not his children. Moreover, we had, had, we had human parents to discipline us, and we respected them. Should we not even be more willing to be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share his holiness. Now discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather to be healed. This is the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. God. Well, today is Reformation Sunday. And tomorrow is known as All Saints Day. Because in October... 31st, in 1517, a Roman Catholic priest by the name of Martin Luther posted a notice on the door of his church outlining 95 complaints he had against the practices of the Church of Rome. Now, not surprising, this you know, was not regarded lightly by the, by the Roman Church, uh, nor by the Pope himself. So for Luther and other reformers of his day, No one seeking the forgiveness of sin should have ever to pay money to receive God's grace as the Roman church had decreed. Only by faith in God, not faith in the church, are we forgiven of our sins. Those who are faithful, that is, all true Christian believers, are members of the body of Christ, and they, we, are gathered into one communion to be a godly people 
a, a holy people, righteous and saintly. Now, does that mean that we are all saints? You and me? My wife doesn't think I am. <laughs> Over the years, certain individuals have been given the title of being a saint, like St. Saint Paul, St. Augustine, St. Francis, and so on. But we are here this morning to declare that all true believers in Christ, living or dead, are to be regarded as saints in God's glory, including you and me. Now, we know that in history, despite how Luther defined a saint, in man's eyes or even in God's eyes, the Christian church has deemed the day after the 31st of October, which we know is Halloween, uh, as Today, then, it would be All Saints' Day, All Hallows' Day, and is observed mostly, mostly by liturgical Christian churches like Episcopalian and Eastern Orthodox and Roman Catholic. A Presbyterian and other so-called Reformed churches prefer to use the understanding of saint as all of God's chosen people. Now, as an aside, if you're not aware of it, the word Halloween fits into all of this. In earlier days when people were more superstitious, the night before All Saints Day or All Hallows Day was seen as the October 31st when devils and witches were free to revel and cause all kinds of evil around the world. And then the next morning, the good saints, the good spirits, could drive them all away and get rid of the evil, at least for a year. Now, we've made all this a spooky kind of a time when we dress up children uh, in scary costumes to do all kinds of crazy things and basically uh, <clears throat> gather candy. But going back to Luther's time, where the whole religious movement then began by him, not just in Germany, but in France and Switzerland and Italy and Holland, became known as the Reformation. And so this is Reformation Sunday, based on what Luther did in 1517. But for our purposes this morning, there was another country involved. There was a man in Scotland by the name of John Knox, and who joined this whole Reformation movement, and with five other ministers in, in, the 15, in 1560, drew up a document known as the Scots Confession. Now, we have that in our Book of Order, and we're going to be reading soon from the Scots Confession. <clears throat> but what he was trying to define for the people and for us, is what the true nature of the church is. Now, how on earth would you describe what the true nature of the church is? Well, in Scotland, the, the name for church was the Kirk. You and I can be, be considered members of the true Kirk, 
when we, as I'm reading now from the Scots Confession, if, when we are one company and attitude of men and women, chosen by God, who rightly worship and embrace him by true faith in Christ Jesus, who is the only head of the kirk, even as it is the body and the spouse of Christ Jesus. This kirk is Catholic, that is universal, because it contains the chosen of all ages, of all realms, nations, and tongues, be they of the Jews or of the Gentiles, who have communion and society with God the Father and with his Son, Christ Jesus, through the sanctification of his Holy Spirit. It is therefore called the communion, not of profane persons, but of saints who are citizens of the heavenly Jerusalem. Now, <clears throat> unquote. <clears throat> this is kind of heavy stuff. But it's supposed to impress you and me to believe and trust that we are a special people in the sight of God. But how strongly do you feel that you are called by God to be part of this communion of God's people? Or do you think that, that you and the people around you are only Christians because of your membership in a Christian church? Now, there are other terms that we could use about the communion of the saints, and most of them come from the Bible. We read the passage from the book of Hebrews this morning where the author noted that we are surrounded by a whole cloud of witnesses, all looking to Jesus as the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. We say a cloud of witnesses, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Each of these persons are saints, all gone from the earth, but remembered for their Christian faith. They are saints of the past, and I'm sure they can be recalled by those of you who share a last name or somebody that you recognize on the wall. We who are alive are saints of the present, whether we're remembered for our Christian faith or not. But if we individually look to Jesus as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, then we are the cloud of witnesses today that mark our place in the kingdom of God. Now, is that important to you? I know that there are many so-called Christians whose membership in the church is not much more than attending worship on a Sunday or an occasional wedding or funeral. But a concept that has been part of my thinking over the many past 80 years and more is what my study of the Bible has taught me, that is, there's a relationship between God and the relationship of the people. It's known as the covenant, the keeping of a promise between two parties who are faithful to each other. God has promised to be our God, and we have promised to be his people. Now, throughout the whole uh, Old and New Testaments, this covenant theme is repeated and repeated. 
established by Jesus, who was seen in covenant with God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are none other than God's covenant people, at least when we acknowledge that relationship with God and keep the promises which he has offered us. We are the communion of all saints, past, present, and future. Now, this word covenant has been important in Scotland, too, where leaders and members of the Scottish Kirk tried to persuade the kings and the queens of England to replace the Roman influences in the faith of the Kirk, the Protestant Reformed tradition in the 17th century. Now, the leaders drew up a special covenant statement. They submitted it in the 1640s. They submitted it to the English Parliament in London. It was both a political statement and a religious statement, an attempt to Christianize England with the language of Protestantism. Well, it didn't work any more than it would work in America. In fact, many of the so-called covenanters from Scotland who came to America did try to make our Constitution into a Christian document. These are the covenanters still in the Presbyterian Church today in our country, and I think uh, uh, Liz knows of some, is that your brother? Yep. Who is also a, one of the traditional uh, line of the covenanters who, who, whose people came to this country and still believe that this country still should become a Christian nation. Well, you and I know that from the Second Amendment to the Constitution, it guards against uh, religious uniformity or, or guards the diversity of, of religious belief in our country. But there are still people who feel that we should be all be known as saints uh, daily uh, and, and to be uh, uh, saints. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't keep us from being saints in the eyes of God. Does that mean that everybody should be considered saints? No, because the definition of a saint are only those who are convinced that they are elected. They are chosen especially by God through eternal grace despite how sinful ourselves to be. How many Americans could qualify under that standard of convinced that they are chosen and elected by God? We try to persuade people to become Christians and to become missionaries of the gospel in their own right, but it's not for us to determine the standards of the Christian life for other people. That is, that is only God's prerogative to determine who is elected to become saints or who is not. Now, early in my ministry, some 40 years ago plus, there was a motto in the Reformed churches in America, and I even have sermons uh, about it, and if I could find those sermons up in my attic, I could read and see what I said in those days. <laughs> there was a motto that came out in Latin that spoke to the work of the true church. The Latin, I mean, the phrase was semper reformata, semper reformanda. 
It meant that the church is always to be reformed and is always reforming. So Christians, seeing ourselves as the communion of saints, are always to see ourselves as keeping these covenant promises with God. The church was never to be, remain static, but reforming constantly with the Holy Spirit leading the work of the church. So then, do we see ourselves with this driving force today, or has it been lost somehow? Or are we just drifting along with our annual church budgets and activities and stewardship programs? Well, the activities and all of that is important, but the message I bring today is a Reformation message, seeing ourselves as an integral part of the universal communion of the saints, past, present, and even future, until we can con convince ourselves that we're doing all of this to the glory of God and to our eternal salvation as members of God's true Kirk. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we do ask your blessing upon all that we are and can be, and that your grace will come upon us, even in our sinfulness. But at the same time, we still have to believe and be faithful, and that we are part of your true covenant and your true Kirk and in your true communion of all the saints of the past. This we ask in Christ's holy name. Amen.